Back here on Beat the Closing Number, presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich with this edition of our NFL Futures Breakdown as training camp gets underway across the league. Being joined by the great Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter, the co-founder of Establish the Run, and also one of the originators in the fantasy football content space, one of the first guys out there. I listened to his fantasy football podcast probably a decade and a half ago before I was even in the working world, so he's also an NFL better. What's going on today, Evan? What's up, man? Um training camp is here you know i mean it's it's serious now you know like i gotta go back to work so you know <laughs> a little bittersweet but you know there, it's definitely an exciting time and it's also a time where the, none of the results are in so you can kind of just say whatever you want you know and then when the games start to be played that's when you know the uh the the chickens come home to roost you know so um it's easy now and it's but it's going to get hard when, when the results start to come in and, and the teams start to rack up the wins and the losses. And when Evan mentions results and kind of gauging things in the offseason, whether it's the NFL betting market or even trying to prepare for fantasy football and DFS, there are people that talk a big game mm-hmm. and then go on to lose during the regular season. Evan and his team over at Established the Run, one of the most profitable DFS players, fantasy football Players, I guess, in one word, extremely, extremely profitable when it comes to the NFL betting market. But Evan, I want to kick things off with the Baltimore Ravens because we were at a bar last year back in September or August doing some fantasy football drafting and we were talking about the Ravens, a team we were Mm -hmm. both high on when it came to the futures market and also from a personnel standpoint when it came to fantasy football and I bet the Ravens going back to mid-May to win the Super Bowl yet again so I am making my yearly donation on Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Futures I bet the Ravens at around 25 to 1 you can find their odds at around 22 to 1 20 to 1 price shop over at thelines.com and a big reason why among others I have a piece over at thelines.com about this futures bet is Todd Munkin the new Ravens offensive coordinator who's replacing Greg Roman and you think back to the Ravens offense under Roman over the last four plus seasons ranking no higher than number 22 in neutral pace according to football outsiders and Munkin runs a much more up-tempo offense along with a pass-heavy attack at that which should seemingly benefit Lamar Jackson so even with the uncertainty surrounding J.K. Dobbins one of the Ravens tailbacks I saw you tweeting about that yesterday I'm assuming you're high on Baltimore yet again what markets are you high on the Ravens in particular yeah I took Lamar to win MVP um, and yeah I put a sprinkle on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl as well Um, and I went hard on them to win the division as well so you know I I think that, and, and it, it begins with Todd Monken. Well, it really begins with the the health of their offensive line because you know Ronnie Stanley, one of the be- maybe the best left tackle in the league, has has battled injuries for the past couple of seasons. He's finally one hundred percent. No um, no off season surgeries for him. Todd Monken, his background is in the air raid offense, which he learned at Oklahoma State uh, for, under Mike Gundy, 
actually, and he he ran an offense at Oklahoma State that turned Brandon Whedon uh, into a first-round NFL draft pick. He's had a long, long track, and of course, most recently, he was the OC for um, the, the Georgia Bulldogs, who were like the best team in college football, like bar none, uh, for the past several seasons. And he was, and he was having success with uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, this uh, low talent, twenty-six-year-old guy who I, I think it was a miracle that he got drafted uh, at all. <laughs> um, but I mean, that you know, that he was dealing with a with a quarterback that just didn't have a lot of talent and was still able to run one of the most productive offenses in college football at the highest level of college football. But his background is in the air raid offense. And the, um, the, the main concept behind the air raid offense is not to get to third and manageable, which like third down and manageable so that maybe we could get the first down on third down but it's to maximize the yardage on every single play that you run and not worry about getting to third and manageable at all. Um, and for a long time in the NFL, that's what coaches thought and were taught and, and taught uh, to their players is that you wanted to get to third and manageable. Now we're, we're trying to maximize every single snap on every single down. We're going to play fast. We're going to spread the field. We're going to make, um, you know, we're, we're going to face uh, softer defensive fronts because Teams are going to have to use more defensive backs, and we're going to, we're going to have to, and we, and we make them cover every blade of grass. And now you look at what the Ravens have offensively, just from a personnel standpoint. They have the personnel to do this because they've been aggressive. You know, they went out, they got Odell Beckham, um, Rashad Bateman is back, and it looks like he's going to be healthy before Week One. He's dealt with uh, foot injuries. They they used a first round pick on Zay Flowers, who apparently has been tearing it up so far and even Nelson Aguilar one of the better fourth receivers in the NFL uh, and then at tight end they've got Mark Andrews who played an air raid offense at, at Oklahoma and Isaiah Likely who flashed big time as a rookie number two tight end last year so they've got six legitimate passing game weapons and I think they're going to be able to execute this offense I think they're going to have success Todd Monken has always had success running offenses wherever he's been and you mentioned Andrews would you consider looking into his season-long prop markets or anybody else within this offense? I mean, I've been drafting a lot of them in fantasy. Um, I haven't really um, – well, I don't know. I mean, I would look at his touchdown prop because I, I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, I think this is going to be one of, the, one of the years where we see Lamar Jackson hit his peak in terms of uh, his touchdown rate. And just his total touchdowns, he threw 35 in his MVP year. I think he can get back into that realm. And there's no better candidate. I mean, Zay Flowers is a little bit small. Odell Beckham is a little, you know, a little brittle at this stage of his career. Um, you know, Rashad Bateman has been banged up. I mean, I think that Mark Andrews could be like a, a guy who scores 10, 12, 13 touchdowns this year. So I'd, I'd look at look at his touchdowns first. And staying in the AFC North and gauging the conference as a whole, the Browns have been a popular candidate to improve and maybe a long shot candidate as well for some sharper NFL batters to not only win the conference, but win the Super Bowl. And that's because Deshaun Watson in his first full season with Cleveland after serving that 12 game suspension last year, Cleveland sitting around plus 400 to win the AFC North. Remember to price shop over at the lines.com and Dolphins, another team that I've seen as potential mid-range long shot to some extent 
Super Bowl futures candidate at around plus 2,500. Chargers and Jaguars around the same price, too. Which Mm -hmm. other AFC teams are you higher on than the consensus betting market? Um, I would say, uh, well, I really like the Browns. I took Nick Chubb to win Offensive Player of the Year at 40 to 1. I think that that's at like 25 to 1 now. So I wouldn't bet it anymore. Um, I'm really big on the Chargers. Again, the, the court, it, it's another situation with a coordinator change moving from Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore, I think is going to be huge for them. And they also, they're getting back Rashawn Slater, their stud left tackle. And the dude who filled in for him last year, Jamari Sawyer, actually played really well as a six round rookie at left tackle. Now he's going to be a starting guard. And so Rashawn Slater's return actually improves two positions on their offensive line. We've got a guy by the name of Brandon Thorne who does our offensive line rankings. And, I mean, he's probably the best offensive line analyst in media. And he has the Chargers with a top five offensive line. The Chargers haven't had a good offensive line in a real, real long time. Um, And then, again, the the coordinator change. I think that Justin Herbert is going to – I think he's going to go berserk this year. Um, I've been drafting a lot of Mike Williams in fantasy. Uh, Quentin Johnston, I think, is a guy that could explode in the second half of the season. They're getting back Keenan Allen healthy after he battled soft tissue injuries for the last couple seasons. Um, So I I, I like those two teams uh, just off the top of my head. I think that Jacksonville is interesting. Um, They've poured a lot of resources into free agency in the draft over the past couple years. And we saw Trevor Lawrence make a pretty big leap going from the embarrassing Urban Meyer era and deservedly short-lived to Doug Peterson, who's really been a quarterback whisperer. I mean, he got the most out of Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. I mean, he was looking like he was like an MVP candidate. That guy's out of the league right now. Um, so I think that the arrow can continue to point up for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and and they, they've got some serious pass rushers too on the other side of the ball. So, yeah, off the top of my head, uh, I, I, I kind of like those three teams. I think they're interesting. And you mentioned that podcast or just Brandon Thorne and the work he does over at Establish the Run. You guys did a great offensive line podcast earlier this week with Brandon that I highly recommend our listeners check out. And over to the NFC, but you mentioned the Chargers and obviously the Chiefs are the favorite to win the AFC West. So thinking about Kansas City defending Super Bowl champion, The Bengals as well, who took on the Chiefs in the AFC title game and nearly knocked them off to make consecutive Super Bowls. And the Eagles, who are the defending NFC champ, they have the highest win total in the NFC at 11.5, and it's actually juiced to the over. And just like the Bengals and the Chiefs to some extent last season, Philly was really fortunate when it came to injuries. And I know people may highlight the Jalen Hurts shoulder injury, but Keep in mind that happened later in the season when they pretty much had the number one overall seed wrapped up. So there wasn't too much room for negative variance within that context in the latter portion of the regular season. And then he looked fine in the playoffs. But when we think about trying to find room for negative variance and there not being much room for error in their win total along with Kansas City and the Bengals, the Eagles lost both of their coordinators. So what do you make of Philly's win total and maybe just the notion that people see 
okay, I'm going to bet the Chiefs because they're good. I'm going to bet the Bengals because they're good. Same thing with the Eagles, yet they're kind of at their peak price point in the batting market, no? Yeah, I think that they're just all passes. Um, the Bengals, uh, you know, they lost both their starting safeties in free agency. And, I mean, Jesse Bates was like, you know, annually PFS number one rated safety. Losing him hurts. Um, they, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think they're a pass. I would say with the Eagles, you know, you make me, I, I love that you brought up about the injuries because they had been ravaged by injuries for the previous like five years. That was really the biggest problem with the Eagles. All of a sudden they stay healthy. All of a sudden they become, you know, the best team in the NFC. Um, so they're probably going to get hit with some mean regression, um, and, and, and hit the, the lower side of, uh, of or the more negative side of variance this year and experience some more injuries. And I don't know, betting it on a team to win 12 games, like that's tough. Everybody's gone in for him this year. The schedule is a little bit more difficult. Uh, I think that they're a pass. Uh, the, the Chiefs, what did you say their win total is? It's 11 and a half as well. Yeah, I mean, gosh. I, I just, I think they're, they're a pass. It's just too many wins. Right. And yeah. again, it goes back to the notion of trying to find value in the market, which we discussed at the top with the Ravens. And mm-hmm. as a result, positive variance with the coordinator change. And it should benefit Lamar Jackson. You brought up how you have a MVP bet on him at 15 mm-hmm. to one. I've seen some other sharp betters with a similar price point on Jackson and that ticket in their futures portfolio. But Staying in the NFC, Evan, and looking at the Falcons, a a team that people expect to see positive regression from, their win total has gotten bumped up from 7.5 to 8.5, and and their division futures are also as short as plus 200 after sitting at plus 350 to begin the offseason. Now, looking at that division holistically, I am a little bit higher on the Saints, especially with this price Mm. dip that we've seen with the Falcons and you should get a more explosive offense theoretically with Derek Carr. And they also face the second easiest schedule when it comes to opposing past defenses per EPA. Now we can't see teams and their respective EPA ratings slip and also take a step up from year over year. So that isn't necessarily going to be stable, but at least looking back at last season, the saints have a pretty good schedule when it comes to opposing pass defenses and then injury luck, which we mentioned with the Eagles granted guys like Michael Thomas and Marshawn Lattimore are injury prone. But if those two among others get any sort of positive variance from an injury standpoint, the saints could theoretically win this division and have one of the better records in the conference. So what say you between the Falcons love that we've seen all over Twitter throughout the off season and the saints and maybe just the NFC South as a whole. Yeah. I mean, the thing that stands out about the saints is, is their schedule. Um, I've seen in, in two locations, sharp football analysis and the 33rd team, they, they both had the saints as having the, the easiest schedule in the NFL, like by a, like a margin, like there's the saints and then a gap and then the second easiest schedule. You know, so that really stands out. My buddy Adam Levitan did a tweet um, the other day just showing the first 10 teams that, well, the quarterback of the first 10 teams that the Saints play. And 
the best one is like Kirk Cousins um, in the in the first ten games. So, um, oh, and he bet them to be the last remaining undefeated team based on that, which I thought I thought that's really smart. Yeah, smart forward thinking bet. Um, at the same time, like I'm just not a Derek Carr guy at all. Um, Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended in all likelihood. I go back and forth on their defense, and I'm not a fan of their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. So I, I actually uh, prefer the Falcons. Um, the, the Falcons are kind of kind of zagging when everyone else is zigging. I mean, they're going real smash-mouth football. Um, I think they're going to be a lot better on defense. I really like their secondary. Um, and, then, uh, uh, and, and then on offense, like – they are they're gonna run the crap out of the ball. I know that that's like considered oh a stone age approach, but they were hyper efficient as a rushing team last year. They added Matthew Bergeron, the stud run blocking uh, left guard. That was their big weakness last year. They've got Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom and Jake Matthews. I mean they got some ass kickers uh, up front on the offensive line. So I think they're gonna be able to execute their approach. Of course, they drafted B. John Robinson. They're bringing back Tyler Al- Algier, who had over a thousand yards as a rookie, broke the Falcons' uh, franchise rushing record. Like, and they and they still have Cordero Patterson too. They, I think they're gonna, and they've got Drake London and uh, Kyle Pitts as like two kind of alpha uh, receivers to um, to help elevate Desmond Ritter. I don't trust Desmond Ritter. You know, it's the Falcons. They're running a Stone Age, you know, offense theoretically, but. I, I think they're going to be able to execute it, and um, I, I think they're going to beat some, beat, beat the butts off of, of, of some <laughs> here. I mean, because they're doing something that is not really approved of by a lot of people at, at, at this stage of at, at this stage of the game. I, I I like that they're zagging when everyone else is zigging. Evan holding back with maybe a couple swears. We are allowed to swear on the podcast, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And speaking of Atlanta, Arthur Smith, who you mentioned within that, is mm-hmm. a popular-ish candidate, at least for those betters who are backing the Falcons to maybe go over their win total or win the division. Arthur Smith around plus 1,500 to win coach of the year. Going back to my Saints argument, I have a Dennis Allen ticket at around plus 2,500 to win Coach of the Year. And as we've seen with this award, like many other awards, it doesn't always go to the best coach. And it's not like you're necessarily a fan of this Falcons offensive scheme as a whole, like you brought Mm -hmm. up within that. But Mm want to hit on one other division, and it's the NFC North. And Evan, we both live in the Chicagoland area, in the Burbs nonetheless, but still right around Chicago. And I know when Ryan Pace was the Bears GM, you definitely had some swears directed at that Bears regime, but a completely new front office. And the Bears have the third shortest odds to win the NFC North. The Lions are the favorite. The Vikings have the second shortest odds right around plus 280. And a lot of bettors believe that they're headed for negative regression. But I haven't made any sort of position on Minnesota, but even if we see Mm. some one score negative variance go against the Vikings, they could still win nine to 10 games and win Mm. the division, go over their win total. Packers have also been a popular long shot candidate to uh, not go from worst to first, but at least have the highest odds to win the division, any division in general. And 
go on to win it. They're priced at around plus 400, plus 420. And that unknown variable within the Packers is Jordan Love, if he's going to outperform expectations or not. So don't necessarily have to have a bet on the NFC North, but what do you make of any of the markets? Uh, I'm not like, I want to be clear. Like I'm, I, I do live in the Chicago land area, but I, I am not a bears fan, <laughs> um, but I do. I mean, I do like almost everything that Ryan Poles has done since he took, since he took over as, uh, as GM. The one thing I didn't like at the time and still, and still it looks a little rough right now is of course the chase Claypool trade, which wound up costing them the 32nd overall pick in the draft. Um, but other than that, I mean, I pretty much approve of everything that he has done. Um, I love how he's poured resources into the offensive line. Braxton Jones was a huge hit uh, in the fifth round, and now they come back with Darnell Wright. Um, their offensive line, well, they're they're kind of almost what the Falcons are, but they just have a, a lot more dynamic quarterback in Justin Fields. Um, but, I mean, their offensive line, we were talking about this with Brandon Thorne on, on the offensive line podcast. Their offensive line is, like, built for them to be a smash-mouth team. They've got a, a hyper dynamic dual threat quarterback, you know, um, and uh, I, I think that, you know, they'll be able to play ball control offense. They're, they're going to need to play ball control offense because their defense is still a major work in progress. Um, so I, I took their win till I, I think it was the uh, over on seven and a half. Is it seven and a half? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I took the over on them. Uh, and I think that they can win the division. I mean, the Vikings are in a sort of semi-rebuild. They're dangerous offensively. I think they're going to be good offensively, but I think that their defense, they're not going to have a rush the passer. Um, the Lions seem to be a team on the rise, but I don't think that they're like a, a, a scary team by any means. Um, and the Packers, I mean, I, I have no faith in Jordan Love. Jordan Love wasn't even good at Utah State. So <laughs> I, I think the Bears can win the division. Like, I, I think that that's firmly in play. Uh, and again, well, I, you want to take just, you want to see Justin Fields take a step as a passer. He took way too many sacks last year. A little bit, you know, uh, is attributable to the offensive line. It wasn't the greatest offensive line, but it was better than people expected. And um, he, he just has this tendency to hold on to the ball too long. I think with the improvements on the offensive line, Nate Davis at right guard. Um, and then uh, the rookie uh, right tackle, Darnell Wright, who I think is ready. And then Braxton Jones uh, in his second season. Um, I, I think that the, the Bears will be able to give Justin Field that extra that extra beat that he needs. And I, and I do think he's going to take a big step forward as a passer this year. Looking at Justin Fields, because you're high on the Bears, so I'm curious what you make of Justin Fields' MVP odds at around 20 to 1. Mm. I'm in the camp that while Fields may exceed expectations and may improve from his EPA rankings last year, that that's kind of baked into the number at this point as mm -hmm. around the same price as Lamar Jackson. So how do you gauge Fields, maybe from a betting standpoint individually and also fantasy too, if you want to mix that in and any other awards markets that you're looking into? I think 20 to one is okay. It's not great. I'm not going to bet it, but if you said you wanted to bet it, I wouldn't, you know, discourage anyone from doing that um, because I do think he's going to continue to, you know, his, 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 tra his trajectory is upward for sure. Right now. Um, I took 
Rashad Penny, 65 to one to lead the NFL in rushing. Rashad Penny opened Eagles camp as their uh, as their number one back. We'll see if he can stay healthy, blah, blah, blah. But he's a really talented runner behind yeah. the best offensive line in the league. And I also took Michael Thomas to win comeback player of the year. Now, DeMar Hamlin is a massive favorite to win comeback player of the year. I would say for obvious reasons. He's had last time I looked, it was like minus 285. DeMar Hamlin, and look, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I bought his shirt, you know, with the the hands together, you know, like I'm, I'm a big supporter, but he is not even going to start for the Bills. I mean, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, um, they signed uh, uh, Taylor Rapp uh, to be their, their third safety. DeMar Hamlin might be their fourth safety. He, I mean, and, you know, who knows if he's gonna, even going to play uh, early in the season. So, I, I you know, don't bet on DeMar Hamlin to win comeback player of the year at minus 285, please. You know, and then and so and I think that buying Michael Thomas, who's barely played over the last two seasons, but by all accounts is healthy right now. He um, he, he avoided the PUP list to uh, to begin training camp. I think that Derek Carr's passing style will riff really well with what Michael Thomas does well. Um, so that's where I'm at on that. I mean, you know, for a $25 bet, that's going to pay over a thousand dollars. If, if we get, uh, if we get the Michael Thomas, I like that bet a lot, not only because I have some saints position, like we talked about, but everything also going back to the chiefs, the Bengals, the Eagles, the teams where their expectations are already baked into the market. Like with Hamlin, Every every bit of news and every bit of the story going into this season is baked into that price point. So you're getting no value, let alone it that price is probably overvalued considering the guys below him like Thomas, who could have one of the best seasons he's had. I mean, look at the last two years with him being banged up and also that schedule that the Saints have with opposing passing defenses, like I mentioned, definitely suits Michael Thomas if he could stay healthy. Now, over to week one really quickly. I don't know if you've bet anything yet, Evan. I'm in no. the camp where, yeah, I haven't bet anything either because injuries could happen in the preseason. I know you're, you're definitely evaluating things from a fantasy and DFS perspective as well heading into week one. A couple teams that I'm kind of interested in buying in week one, though, you brought up, we both brought up the Browns earlier. I love the week one divisional angle of divisional dogs. 61, 39, and 2 against the spread since 05. And I'm not saying that from a trend standpoint, but just that divisional favorites can be overvalued to start the season when teams are familiar with one another's scheme. And also just that the market may be a little too low on Cleveland. And then also kind of betting against the Eagles, the Patriots, if Belichick can get this Patriots defense to defend mobile quarterbacks well, which has been their bugaboo, at least going back to last season. Another wager that I'm targeting above the key number of three. I think the Pats are four and a half point home dogs. Two bets that I'm not necessarily for sure wagering on, but have my interest. Anything stand out to you week one, or have you not even dug into that yet? I haven't even looked yet, you know. <laughs> haven't even looked, man. Um, I'll start to do that in about three weeks um, when I start to uh, write my, uh, my uh, preview article for week one, but uh, I'm just, I'm not there yet, but best of luck, Eli on, on your <laughs> on week one bets. <laughs> hey, to be fair, I said, I haven't bet them just yet. Oh, it may not okay. even 
pull the trigger on those. I'm not playing anything. I think it's really, it's good advice for anybody listening. I think it's really stupid to bet anything. And after the schedules come out, June, July, August, even though the market may have adjusted a number like we saw with the Titans, their week one spread dipped from three and a half, three and a half point dogs at the Saints, speaking of New Orleans, down to the key number of three. So people may say, okay, if you, as in the Royal, you bet, the Titans at three and a half, you're getting perceived value. But then again, if this number dips below three, maybe you can make the argument that the Saints have a valuable position as two and a half point home favorites in week one. But we'll have that conversation in the latter months. But I'm glad you brought up your week one article that you used to do for Roto World. Speaking of being one of the original guys in the fantasy football content space, I can't Praise your stuff enough, man. That was weekly shit going back to when I was still in junior high and high school mm-hmm. trying to dig into fantasy football myself. So feel free to give your stuff some praise and all the other betting content you have over at Establish the Run with you and Adam Levitan and Brandon Thorne, along with the rest of the guys that do great work fantasy football-wise and just NFL betting-wise, too, over at Establish the Run. Yeah, I just say like you know, if you're into uh, fantasy football, if you want to get into maybe join a high stakes league, we do. We actually do live high stakes drafts, uh, which I don't know people love watching us draft together, like me, Adam Levitan, and Michael Leone. Um, if you want to see how how a draft like that works, you know, come watch one of our videos. Um, Daily fantasy sports betting, we absolutely crush it on season-long props and weekly NFL props. Um, we had some crazy, absurd winning per- uh, percentage last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're any kind of like a serious or even halfway serious fantasy football player uh, or or sports better, I mean, there, there's no question that that we can help and and and, and assist you and and get and give give a, a decent sized edge. I would say. I mean, I I say that confidently. I said this off the bat. Evan is profitable to say the least when it comes to the NFL betting market along with DFS and so on and so forth. So be sure to give Evan a follow on Twitter at Evan Silva. And I also want to give a quick plug to whoever runs your social media account over at Establish the Run because that is some funny content that you guys put out there on a week-to-week basis as well. At Evan Silva on Twitter, the co-founder of Establish the Run. Really fun betting conversation. Always appreciate the time, man. Thanks, buddy. That'll do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by thelines.com. Remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lines releases a new sports betting video on any betting market. Also head over to thelines.com for our free Discord link to get into our channel and see all of our futures bets for the NFL week-to-week bets too. So for myself, Eli Herskovich, and for Evan, thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody. 